But if you like to read, then you are in the right place today. I am so excited. My guest today on the show is Peter Abrahams, and he writes under the pen name Spencer Quinn. He's a New York bestselling author for the Chet and Bernie Mysteries. Hi, Peter. Welcome. Thank you, B. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have you on the show. So this is People with Passion for Pets, and you certainly fit that description. You are best-selling, New York best-selling author, and series of books that you write is actually very, very unique, and that is called The Chet and Bernie's Mystery. There are 13 books right now, as I understand, but all of them are written from the perspective of a dog. Is that correct? That is exactly correct. Well, the 13th isn't out yet. That's Bark to the Future comes out this summer. It's obviously all written. And my part in it is finished, except for promotional. Yes, so the Chet and Bernie Mystery Series. Chet, these are, you know what they are? What they are is these are classic private eye stories in the format invented by Arthur Conan Doyle in for his Sherlock Holmes stories, where the detective sidekick tells the story in the first person. You know, like Dr. Watson tells the story, the Sherlock Holmes story. The detective in this case is Bernie, Bernie Little, and the sidekick is Chet. Chet has no last name because he's a dog. So Chet tells these stories, all these, all this crime fiction, which is what it is. And they're not really cozies, by the way. They have a, a very noirish streak in them. But Chet tells the story in the first person. And if the series works, which I'm hoping by this time is evident, it kind of does. Um, it's because Chet is not a talking dog. He's not a human wrapped up in a dog suit. He doesn't know anything a dog shouldn't know. He's as purely canine as I could make him. So when you take that very unusual point of view and you marry it to something that actually is, has a very strict format, which is the plotting of a mystery novel, you kind of blow the whole thing up and it, it just let in a lot of fresh air, I think. So I found, I love writing in this voice of Chet and as long as people keep reading it, I'll keep writing. That's awesome. Yes, and I really enjoy it. Uh, and it does, it, it puts such a different twist on things because like you said, and for our audience, it's not like you're making this dog a human dog that can somehow super communicate with humans. He's a real dog and he somehow has to try to convince his humans that he has already kind of found some clues or found some, some ways to, you know, because he's a dog, he can't say, Hey, Bernie, this is where the thing happened. <laughs> no, yes. he can. Now see, so that's an interesting thing that you bring up. That's a very good point. Sometimes Chet is way ahead of the game and sometimes he's behind. See, so the solving of the plotting of a mystery novel is actually mimics the solving of a real crime. You collect a whole bunch of clues and you put them in logical order and draw a conclusion. Well, Chet can't do any of that. And even if he could, when a clue was coming along, he might sniff a Cheeto under a couch and, and he misses it. So he is an unreliable narrator, but he has several things going for him. Well, I'm, let's leave out the emotional part. Just um, 
just in terms of abilities, in terms of detection, his sense of smell and his sense of hearing. Of course, they're way, way better than ours. And so Chet, and of course dogs, you know, in the canine world, I mean, this is just something that we've exploited. So Chet will know things that Bernie doesn't way ahead of time. You know, for example, if, you know, let's say there's some person that Bernie thinks is a suspect, but that person's very smooth and Bernie's questioning him and the suspect is, Bernie thinks there's no problem with this guy, but Chet, in the meantime, smells that he has a recently fired weapon in his pocket. And we know that from Chet's description. So we too, so, you know, Bert, we're now in, in suspense and worried about Bernie because he doesn't know what might be about to happen to, but we do through what as Chet has observed. So one of the things that I've really enjoyed with writing this is I, I myself now am forced to, during the writing of these, appreciate the world through not the visual sense so much, but the sense of hearing and the sense of smell. And, all. and when you start doing that, um, it, it's very enriching actually to your, your sort of experience of what's going on. Chet knows Bernie better in some ways better than anyone because Bernie will confide in him. You know, the way a human talks out loud when you talk to the dog. So I've, that's been a huge resource in the book because you may see how Bernie is behaving in a situation. And then when the situation is over, Bernie turns to Chet and says something completely unexpected by you. And then you know what's really good. How did you come up with this um, little twist on this story or the, using Chet as the narrator? Well, you know, I've written a lot of crime fiction. And, um, and I've had dogs in many of... Um, my books in oblivion. Uh, there's a dog named Buster who has kind of a walk, a trot on roll for a chapter or two, but you, you never see inside them. You're, I mean, you're never inside their heads. And one night my wife said at dinner, she said, um, you should do something with dogs. Within a, a, a 30 seconds after she had said that, I thought, okay, what I want to do, I want to write a mystery novel narrated by a dog. I wanted this to be in what I just said, this, uh, you know, the Arthur Conan Doyle, the Sherlock Holmes style, going right back to the early days of private eye fiction. And the most important thing was that it was, this dog was not going to be a talking dog. This was going to be as canine as I could be. So this was dinner time at night. So, but nevertheless, I went to the office and I wrote what became the first page of Dog on It, which was the first book in the series. And I brought it back to the kitchen and my wife read it over and, and we voted to, because I just wanted to see if it worked, you know, what, what it would look like. Um, and we voted two to zero that it worked. So it was a good thing that none of the kids were home because we could have lost four to two and there wouldn't have been a Chet and, <laughs> and, there wouldn't have been a Chet and Bernie series. But so one of the things I also had to decide fairly early on when it looked like there were going to be more books, would, would, would this be the kind of series where you, the reader would really be compelled to have read each in order? And I decided that a series narrated by a dog would not be that kind of series. <laughs> that's, that's not a question that would ever occur to, set, to chat. So I, I, these books, the book you can read, you can begin at the very last book. You can read from the middle. It doesn't matter. You can read the series in any order. Are you ever going to give away where they really are? Here's where they really are. They're really 
it, it's in a place called the Valley. And it's a big city, metropolis, surrounded by vast southwestern style desert. And if you know anything about the American, the Western American desert, you'll know very, very soon that this is a particular part of it. It's the Sonoran Desert. Okay, and we're dealing with a much, much smaller area. <laughs> so, but Ch Chet only refers, see, because he only, certain things he only knows from what he hears. For example, he knows that he's a hundred plus pounder and that his ears don't match, but he only knows because of people talking about him in his presence. The word Arizona has not come, does not come up until book six. In book six, which is called The Sound and the Furry, Chet and Bernie take their first case where they leave the, where they, you know, leave the state. And it, it actually takes place in Louisiana in the Bayou country. So early on, in fact, on page 93 of The Sound and the Furry, Bernie is inter interviewing a witness and um, the witness hears the sound of Bernie's voice and, and says to him, oh, you're not from around here. And Bernie says, no, we're from Arizona. And the next line is, ah, we were from Arizona. I wa I'd wondered about that. <laughs> so in book six, Chet learns. So yes, they take, now it's not, okay, now in Phoenix, of course, we call that the valley, but um, the word Phoenix never comes in because I didn't want to be, I, want, I wanted a big, for, because Chet is a dog and a big, strong dog i wanted i wanted to the series to take place in a in a big city because i wanted big city kind of problems to arise but i also wanted to be surrounded by vast wilderness so that chet could get out there and interact with well what you can interact with out in the desert right what it is based on the, the geography of phoenix really but the vibe is much more of tucson that's gotcha. that's yeah. And okay. um, the saguaro cactus kind of gave it away in, in one of the books, right? That was like, okay, now I'm... <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But um, yeah, so very lovely. And I'm sure a lot of my listeners, of course, are also here from, from Arizona. So I'm sure they'll enjoy. Uh, it's just always fun to read um, about our state. And it's such a beautiful place to live at anyway. So it's kind of fun that uh, it actually takes place out here. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm one of these people who's drawn to the desert and um, Arizona is a fascinating place, not just physically, but physically too, but the, the drama of it, but everything, the history and the people and, and the problems. I mean, it's a rich, rich, I mean, for example, I, um, in book eight, which is Sense and Sensibility, yes, the Saguaros, I thought, you know, they're kind of rare. And what if um, someone was stealing them? people involved with, you know, environmental law had put a chip in one. And so I, I, that was my, what I was predicating the book on. And then later in my research, I found that that exact thing has happened because people steal them out in the desert and plant them in their gardens. And so chips yeah. have been found. Isn't that crazy? To have a mind and imagination to, now you're on book 13, well, you're probably already writing book 14, I imagine. Um, so how do you, um, how do you bring it into the voice of the dog? Do you have some helpers? Well, okay, I, I could never have, you know, even dreamed of writing this series had we not always had. At the moment, we have two. We have Pearl, who's an almost 10-year-old golden retriever. And then we have a puppy named Dottie, who's nine months old. She's half golden retriever and half Bernese. 
And although she's a puppy, she already weighs over 90. She, so nine months ago, she came to us as this little thing you could hold and, you know, come. okay. And she's, she still, I think, carries with her that body image. So you're sitting on the couch and suddenly this <laughs> enormous creatures in your lap, you know. So she's, anyway, she's a delight and I love her. But um, just, it's not that I've done organized research, watching dog behavior, and, <clears throat> excuse me, and writing things down. It's just all through osmosis. You know, you have them, you live with them, you see what they do, you hear, you see, you know, in all sorts of life situations, the same way that I would if I was writing about human characters. I wouldn't necessarily do, you know, research into psychological problems. I, that's not the way I work from the inside out. And if I do research at all, it's to verify, to make sure that I, I'm not going to get emails in all caps from readers saying, oh, that couldn't have happened. I'll never read another <laughs> word you write. I kind of knew you needed to be on the show because uh, I, I had kind of read on your website um, that you, you are a dog lover and have always had pets. And then, you know, kind of use your experience with pets to to kind of bring Bernie, al- I'm sorry, to kind of bring Chet alive uh, in the book. So I think that's so cool. But of course, you have you have your own website, and that is PetaAbrahams.com, right? And people can yes, connect with you there. So all my work, every, there's everything about all my work is collected there. The pre-Chet and Bernie and, you know, other things I do. Yeah, because you you write both as Peter Abrahams and as uh, Spencer Quinn, correct? That's right. Spencer Quinn seems to do the dog-related material. Oh, okay. So Chet the dog has a website. He's also yeah. on, he, he's also on Twitter and on Facebook. So and there, are, um, oh, I should mention this about Facebook. Um, on the Facebook page, right from the beginning, um, people have been sending in photos of their dogs. Um, and not just dogs, cats and gerbils, stuffed animals sometimes appear. So we had the idea very early on that we would have some kind of monthly drawing where there'd be a friend of the month. So that happened. So every month, um, a random number generator chooses a winner. And that winner is the profile pick of the month on Facebook. And the winner's human companion gets a signed copy of the latest Chet and Bernie mystery. Oh, that's wonderful. And again, that's chetthedog.com. Is that website? Is that correct? Chetthedog.com is the blog. And Facebook slash chetthedog is the Facebook. Book 13 is, it's not out yet, but it will be available soon. And people can go ahead through your website and pre-order it. Uh, and well, they get, can order it not through my website. They can order it through Amazon and Amazon. iTunes gotcha. and Barnes and Noble and all that kind of thing. Bark to the Future, any, when you see the cover, you'll see that a slot canyon is involved. You know the slot mm-hmm. canyon. And yeah. the kind of thing can happen. So a slot canyon plays a very big role in Bark to the Future. It comes it, out in August. It can be pre-ordered now. But is your website linked to Amazon or I think oh, so, yeah, I think probably, so. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, you could, the links are all there, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. So um, obviously there is no end in sight. Book, book 14, is it already in the works? Well, I, I have the idea. Um, I'm actually <laughs> okay. writing a, a non-Chet and Bernie, Peter Abraham style book right now. But I know what the next Chet and Bernie is going to be and that's what I'll do next. 
Wonderful. Okay. Well, I'm uh, I'm so glad you were on the show. I know people are going to be excited to read the books. And like you said, you don't necessarily have to read them in order, um, but you certainly can. They're all available through Amazon. And um, we'll go ahead and we'll link um, to that in the description below and also to your website so people can get in contact with you and see your other work. Thank you. Thank you, B. I appreciate it very much. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for joining us today on People with Passion for Pets. We're Jim and B. Walker, and we share the adventure of life with our dog Apollo and Heidi. For more adventure videos, check out our YouTube channel, Modern Canine Vlog, or visit our website, www.mcs.dog. And until next time, keep your paws on the road.